0: Om ajnana dimarandasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun muditam dhena tasmai Shi namah Vantra-kalpata-ruvashya kripa Pavani patitanam pavanibhyo vaishna namo We're going to continue our reading from the Sri Chaitanya charitamrita because as far as I can tell, nobody can stop us. We demand our freedom. We demand the freedom to read whatever Shastra we want for as long as we want. We demand that everybody in the world be given the opportunity to hear the Bhagavatam and Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and nectar devotion without being disturbed by all kinds of stupid other stuff, which is what the whole material world's filled up with since time immemorial, practically. Here we're taking up at text number 55, which is still in the Chatur Shloki range. Chavacheshvanu Tateshu Neteshvaham. As the material elements enter the bodies of all living beings and yet remain outside them all, I exist within all material creations and yet am not within them. PURPORT. The gross material elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether, combine with the subtle material elements, mind, intelligence, and false ego. To construct the bodies of this material world, and yet they are beyond these bodies as well. Any material construction is nothing but an amalgamation or combination of material elements in varied proportions. These elements exist both within and beyond the body. For example, although the sky exists in space, it also enters within the body. Similarly, the Supreme Lord, who is the cause of the material energy lives within the material world as well as beyond it. Without his presence within the material world, the cosmic body could not develop. Just as without the presence, of the spirit within the physical body the body could not develop the entire material manifestation develops and exists because the supreme personality of godhead enters it as paramatma or the super soul the personality of godhead in his all-pervading feature of paramatma enters every entity from the biggest to the most minute his existence can be realized by one who has the single qualification of submissiveness and who thereby becomes a surrendered soul the development of submissiveness is the cause of proportionate spiritual realization by which one can ultimately meet the supreme lord in person as a man meets another man face to face because of his development of transcendental attachment for the supreme lord A surrendered soul feels the presence of his beloved everywhere. And all his senses are engaged in the loving service of the Lord. His eyes are engaged in seeing the beautiful couple Sri Radha and Krishna sitting on a decorated throne beneath a desire tree in the transcendental land of Vrindavan. His nose is engaged in smelling the spiritual aroma of the lotus feet of the Lord similarly his ears are engaged in hearing messages from vaikuntha and his hands embrace the lotus feet of the lord and his associates thus the lord is manifested to a pure devotee from within and without this is one of the mysteries of the devotional relationship in which a devotee of the lord This is one of the mysteries of the devotional relationship in which a devotee and the Lord are bound by a tie of spontaneous love. To achieve this love should be the goal of life for every living being. The basic uh, knowledge of, of Sankhya, of devotional Sankhya, is important because unless one has a working knowledge of the material world, it's very mysterious and difficult to understand but essentially there's prakriti which is material nature which is inert and then there's purusha or the living entity and then above the living entity there's the supreme purusha the paramatma and this if you break it down to its essence is really what's going on in the material world and not much more so, Krishna says in the Gita, vidhi shetra that jnanam means to understand this difference. This is Krishna's opinion about what knowledge is. So, the various elements that are counted are all part of the same category of energy, inert matter. But the Purusha, the living entity who's part and parcel of Krishna, the Jiva, we also call the Atma, is non-neural, non-chemical, non-temporal. It's an organizing particle. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when describing that living entity, says that he's uh a very tiny particle, and that his eternal constitutional position, uh, position is to be a servant of the whole, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Did you want me to continue? Is that why you went back to the 56? You could scroll up to the um, beginning of the purport, because there's a uh, sentence I'd like to repeat. The gross material elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether combine with the subtle material elements, mind, intelligence, and false ego to construct the bodies of this material world. And yet they are beyond these bodies as well. Any material construction is nothing but an amalgamation or combination of the material elements in varied proportions. So when a person has knowledge, he or she understands That the material bodies and forms in the material world are simply various combinations and permutations of the material elements and they're formed by mixtures of the three modes of material nature. So the real important knowledge is to understand the difference between those inert material elements and the living entity and the big mistake is thinking oneself to be matter. And that's the um, fatal mistake of the living entity through which the, the, it identifies with, with Prakriti and then takes on the qualities of Prakriti and actually experiences this cycle of birth and death over and over again. So this is vital knowledge that's not well known or widely known in the material world. And now we can look at the next verse. Text 56. <laughs> Etavadeva jjnāsyam tattva jjnāsu nātmanaha anvaya vyatirikābhyam yatsyat sarvata sarvada yatsyat sarvatra sarvada a person interested in transcendental knowledge must therefore always directly and indirectly inquire about it to know the all pervading truth. purport, there, Those who are serious about the knowledge of the transcendental world, which is far beyond the material cosmic creation, must approach a bona fide spiritual master to learn the science both directly and indirectly. One must learn both the means to approach the desired destination and the hindrances to such progress. The spiritual master knows how to regulate the habits of a neophyte disciple, and therefore a serious student must learn the science in all its aspects, aspects from him. There are different grades and standards of prosperity. The standard of comfort and happiness conceived by a common man Engaged in material labor is the lowest grade of happiness for it is in relationship with the body the highest standard of such bodily comfort is achieved by a fruit of worker who by pious activities reaches the plane of heaven or the kingdom of the creative gods with their delegated powers but the conception of comfortable life in heaven is insignificant in comparison to the happiness enjoyed in the impersonal brahman in this brahmananda the spiritual bliss derived from impersonal brahman is like the water in the hoofprint of a calf compared to the ocean of love of godhead when one develops pure love for the lord he derives an ocean of transcendental happiness from the association of the personality of godhead to qualify oneself to reach this stage of life is the highest perfection One should try to purchase a ticket to go back home back to Godhead. The price of such a ticket is one's intense desire for it, which is not easily awakened, even if one continuously performs pious activities for thousands of years. All mundane relationships are sure to be broken in the course of time, but once one establishes a relationship with the personality of Godhead in a particular rasa, it is never to be broken even after the annihilation of the material world. One should understand, through the transparent medium of the spiritual master, that the Supreme Lord exists everywhere in his transcendental spiritual nature, and that the living entities' relationship with the Lord are directly and indirectly existing everywhere, even in this material world. In the spiritual world, there are five kinds of relationships with the Supreme Lord, Shanta, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Manturia. The perverted reflections of these rasas are found in the material world. Land, home, furniture, and other inert material objects are related in Shanta, or the neutral and silent sense, whereas servants work in the Dasya relationship. The reciprocation between friends is called Sakya, the affection of a parent for a child is known as Vatsilya, and the affairs of conjugal love constitute Mathurya. These five relationships in the material world are distorted reflections of the original pure sentiments which should be understood and perfected in relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master. In the material world, the perverted Rasas bring Frustration. If these rasas are reestablished with Lord Krishna, the result is eternal, blissful life. From this and the preceding three verses of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which have been selected from Srimad Bhagavatam, the missionary activities of Lord Chaitanya can be understood. Srimad Bhagavatam has 18,000 verses which are summarized in the four verses beginning with Aham Ibhasame Bhagri and concluding with Yatsya Sravatra Sravada. In the first of these verses, 53, the transcendental nature of Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of God, is explained. Second verse, 54, further explains that the Lord is detached from the workings of the material energy, maya. The living entities, although parts and parcels of the Lord, of Lord Krishna, are prone to be controlled by the external energy, therefore, although they are spiritual, In the material world, they are encased in bodies of material energy. The eternal relationship of the living entities with the Supreme Lord is explained in that verse. The next verse, 55, instructs that the Supreme Personality, guided by His inconceivable energies, is simultaneously one with and different from the living entities and the material energy. This knowledge is called the Chinta Vedabhita Tattva. When an individual living entity surrenders to the Supreme Lord Krishna, he can then develop natural transcendental love for him. The surrendering process should be the primary concern of a human being. The surrendering process should be the primary concern of a human being. In the next verse 56, it is said that a conditioned soul must ultimately approach a bona fide spiritual master I try to understand perfectly the material and spiritual worlds in his own existential position. Here, are the words, unvaya vyatari kabhyam, directly and indirectly suggest that one must learn the process of devotional service in its two aspects. One must directly execute the process of devotional service and ind- indirectly avoid the impediments to progress. So, let's take a few questions from these uh, readings. They will expand the subject matter, so that we can go more deeply within it.
1: Oh, I have a question. Yes. I was just I wondering that um, we read about. Uh, um, um, can you hear me? Sorry, it's resounding. Okay. Um, so uh, the question I had was: We're reading about Shantaras in Goloka Vrindavan. So. Maybe just my understanding or my assumption. Does that mean that that particular devotee does not have a human form ever? He's always as a cow or as a stick, or um, um, my, I, this is what I had earlier read somewhere, but I can't remember where. That in Goloka Vrindavan, that you know, people who are gopis can, I mean, gopas can become a river. They can become a tree whenever they want to serve Krishna in that way. In that way, they can take shantaras, but then they will also be able to take the gopa form. So my question is, um, when it says Shantaras, does that mean that, um, are there any devotees in Goloka Vrindavan where they don't have any other Rasa but only Shantaras? Um, well, um,
0: it's it's, uh, it's an orchestrated uh, environment. In other words, all the devotees are relishing The various Rasas, if not directly as their Stayav, as the main uh, sentiment that they have for Krishna, then they they relish them through others as well, through appreciation. That, uh, for instance, the um, various devotees will be observing the service of other devotees and appreciating those services. And, you know, in that way, they're appreciating the other rasas and so forth. As far as the bodies of the living entities, in the the spiritual world, as Prabhupada pointed out earlier, there's no uh, restrictions as in the material world. The material world is full of all kinds of restricting forces, whereas in the spiritual world, uh, everything is uh, open and free. So there's a description in the Brihat Bhagavatamrita, when Kumar is coming into Vaikuntha. Before he enters the gates of Vaikuntha, he sees all kinds of devotees. At first he thinks they are Narayan himself, because some of them have the exact same form as Narayan, except for they don't have the, the Srivatsa. Then he starts to offer obeisances and then he'll, they'll say, Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm a devotee. I'm not, I'm not an Orion. And then he sees a multitude of various other devote, other kinds of entities. They have various bodies, uh, just as you may see in this world, there are all kinds of different forms around us—eight million 8,400,000. So he sees a multitude of various forms going in also. And uh, Sanatana Goswami explains how these devotees are appreciating the various appearances of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in His various forms, and as as they appreciate uh, those forms, they worship those forms. They also take the sarupya mukti, and they'll take on those forms also. And th- those forms are also trans. Uh, They can also transform into other forms as well, according to their sentiments uh, for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Ijo, the end. Any other questions or to expand the, the topic? Yes, Prema, Hare Krishna, please go ahead. You just have to unmute uh, down to the left-hand side. Unless unless you have them locked up there, then uh, let everybody unmute if they need to, please. Premier, you gotta unmute yourself, I think. Bottom left, there's a little microphone you have to click on. Shukeshri, how'd you come off mute? Can you do it now? You're locked. Everyone should be able to unmute themselves. Hare Krishna? now it's
2: good, thank you. Thank you. Go ahead.
0: You're out, you're free. Yeah,
3: <laughs> you were talking about the Rasas, so our question is uh, also in, with Lord Chaitanya, we can develop those Rasas, and in which ways we can do it, that's the question.
0: Yeah, there are various rasas mentioned, as you'll read in the TLC and in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, that devotees have with Lord Chaitanya. There's some that are in servitorship, servitorship, and others like Gadadhar Pandit, who are more in the conjugal mood. And um, these various, uh, all the various rasas are there. Uh, however, there's stern warnings throughout the chaitanya Charitamrita that Prabhupada gives about the Goranga nagaris who try to cross over from lord chaitanya's lila into lord krishna's lila and pretend that they are in a um, similar kind of conjugal relationship with lord chaitanya as gopis are with with um uh, lord krishna but that's uh Not the mood of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nonetheless, the various Rasas in a different form in the way that the devotees relate to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his uh, mood of worshipping Radha Krishna are all manifest there in Lord Chaitanya's Lila as well. And then, of course, those who are devotees of of Lord Nityananda are um, in the Sakya Ras. Predominantly. So the, you know, because uh, you'll notice that his uh, his followers and intimate associates uh, have that mood of being cowherders and uh, friendly mood. Friendly friendship with Lord Nityananda.
3: Thank you, maharaj
0: You're welcome. Hare
2: Krishna. Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare. Hare Hare well. Hare Krishna. Um, uh, Prabhu, in verse um 55, it's a powerful statement that you read where um, Prabhupada says that uh, the, his existence can be realized by one who has the single qualification of submissiveness and who thereby becomes a surrendered soul. The development of submissiveness is the cause of proportionate spiritual realization by which one can ultimately meet the Supreme Lord person as a man meets another man face to face. That's a a very powerful statement, and uh, I just want to know how is it practical? Like, how do we practice this submissiveness in this modern day? Because there are so many uh, complications, and uh, you being assertive is what is being appreciated even within the spiritual environments. So, how do we practice this quality, Prabhu? Well,
0: let me ask you. I noticed you're wearing neck beads. So what are those? Where'd you get those?
2: Um, I think from Mayapur Prabhu.
0: No, but why are you wearing them?
2: Um, to show that we are devotees of Krishna.
0: You you wear your neck beads when? You wear two strands time. and then three strands. Why do you wear three strands?
2: Um,
0: it shows that you're initiated. Yes. A Diksha Kadi, Bhakti. So, Lord Chaitanya mentions this when he's speaking to Sasanatan Goswami and Haridas Thakur. And he says that this surrender, especially the submissiveness, is shown when one takes a spiritual master. Not a lot of people have a spiritual master or are submissive thereafter. There, there's a way in which uh, I was downtown Santa Cruz distributing one day and I. I showed this guy a Bhagavad Gita. And he said, I want, he looked at it really carefully. He goes, I want it without the commentaries. What are these purports? I don't want that. I said, why not? And he goes, I, I'm just going to read it directly. I don't want to, I don't want to hear from anybody else. <laughs> That's a representative of a mood. So either it's demonstrative like that guy was, or there's others, other ways in which people avoid taking a, uh, initiation. So, uh, so Chaitanya was a Diksha khali, at the time of Diksha, Diksha Kali, Atma Samarpana, Samarpana means when you, it's a demonstration of full surrender to put yourself under the, the guidance of a guru for Bhajana Kriya and then say, I'm going to follow this. So that's one of the ways in which one is naturally submissive. So you can see highly qualified people like yourself and others you know, high court judges like Bhaktivinoda Takur, who is a brilliant scholar, poet, songwriter, and the best judge, you know, on the circuit anywhere, and then he has neck beads on. What does that mean? It means when all is said and done, he's submissive to his guru. It doesn't mean submissiveness that you go around uh, uh, submitting to uh, materialistic people who say, listen, you do whatever I say, and you say, Yes, sir, whatever you want, I do. Uh, that's, that's not the meaning of submissiveness. Submissiveness means to be submissive to Krishna. To be submissive to Krishna means to accept his system. So there's another way that Krishna talks about this. He says, those who follow the pancharak system and worship the deity according to my uh, instructions, and Krishna gives a lot of instructions about deity worship, is a submissive person. In other words, there's rules, how to worship the deity. And so you you follow those rules. Who are you being submissive to? Krishna. Because not only are you worshipping him, but you're worshipping him according to the, the way that he set it up. These are ideas of submissiveness. Devotional life is submissiveness. Why do you follow the four regular principles? You're a submissive person. You could go do anything you want. You have senses. You have... You have willfulness, you can use it to go out and do whatever you feel like at any time. And a lot of people do. Uh, not with a great effect uh, afterwards, or a great consequence, I should say. Uh, so, your life is submissive. Follow four regular principles. Why do you chant at least 16 rounds every day? So your guru asked you to. And the Shastra asked you to, so you're submissive. And when it comes down to making a decision about something, you decide based on what's most pleasing to Krishna, don't you? Say yes.
2: Ah, yes, prabhu <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, that's a life of submissiveness. Mm. And so then Krishna says, uh, abhaktakari, um, Atmasam." He says, those who are submissive like this and accept the guru, follow the regular, he says, I accept those people to be the same as myself. They're in the same category, so this is the the process of submissiveness means to follow the parampara, tut tut karma pravartana. That's submissive.
2: Thank you, Prabhu. Thank,
0: Thank you very much. Hare Krishna, we have Hare a couple from Facebook right here. Um, how do you develop submissiveness? I hope that helped, Sona. <laughs> we just answered it. Shringara Ras, Devi Dasi Haribo. I have a question about the current protests going on across the whole material world how do we understand these protests in a spiritual context the way we understand them is that uh the living entities are smart especially as human beings and they uh have a, a, a the impetus to ask questions uh the the uh, vedanta sutra says brahma jignasa. now's the time to ask bigger questions find out Uh, what's holding you back, and so forth. So there's this natural impetus within human beings to figure out things like justice and uh, what's mercy, what's compassion, what's not. Animals don't have that uh, type of reasoning capability. So that's why you don't see a bunch of orangutans walking down through the, um, uh, you know, Washington, D.C. area holding signs because they don't have that reasoning capacity. So humans have that kind of sense. Uh, when you become a human being, you get a human form, you have this kind of sense that there should be more than this. Animals just try to get a little more food. Uh, you know, they, they, they hide a few nuts in the ground or they build a nest and they try to get what they can from nature according to what they've been given. But human beings have this reasoning power where they start thinking like, why don't we fly to the moon? or, you know, go into space and see what's there, it's, uh, it doesn't have a lot of practical purpose except to fulfill this inquiring propensity and, um, human beings notice it when there's, um, they feel like they're also, their freedoms are being curtailed. And this is going on since time immemorial. You can look at all different kinds of systems in the world that, that, um, are uh, presented uh, you know to organize human society in one way or another there's always some kind of um, way that um, people end up getting uh, subjected to tyranny and so forth Um, and uh, human beings figure it out and they don't like it so then uh, as far as demonstrating and protesting stuff that's what we do too we go out into the public and you know, there's a lot of names you can chant. Right now, people are chanting uh, George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. And uh, you know, their impetus is to express freedom and talk about compassion and we should be equal to everybody, which is true. But um, then, if you take it a step further and say, well, how would how would an individual get, get to that point of freedom, and how would society get to that point of freedom? then uh, if you think it out a little bit more, uh, my proposal would be that you would come to uh, join Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement because that's providing freedom for for all living entities. For instance, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta used to point out that people would clamor for freedom for human beings and then, uh, you know, what about the animals? So right now we have uh, racism. So what about speciesism? why are this various species being mistreated some of them get to sleep in the house and the other ones get to go to the slaughterhouse and uh, so to to really protest you should dedicate your life to the process of krishna consciousness which achieves a lot of those ends immediately i mean for one just as as a very um you know, easily connecting, connected thought. Uh, you know, devotees are nonviolent. Prabhupada points out naturally nonviolent, they, because uh, that's included in being a devotee of Lord Krishna. And I like this. I like the saying. I saw it on a, a lamp post this morning when I was on my early morning walk. It said, um, "White silence equals violence," and I would. And Prabhupada says, in essence. You know, Vaishnava silence equals violence. His point is, if Vaishnavas don't speak up and tell people that um, there's a difference between the body and the self, there's a process for liberation and so forth. And even there's ways to organize society that uh, are naturally, uh, well, they're mandated by Krishna, actually, in in the Gita. And they're natural, they're naturally created by Krishna that can help organize human society in various ways. So these are topics that devotees bring up and they demonstrate about. You know, we have peaceful demonstrations where we go out and we chant names, we hold up signs, we say, do this. So we would like to see the same numbers of people going through Washington, D.C. and uh, through um, Frankfurt And San Francisco, across the bridge, wouldn't it be nice, all in one day? uh, Harinam Sankirtan is going with millions of people around the world demanding that uh, we're not going to accept the standard of material life anymore. We demand uh, from our senses, which have been holding us in tyranny uh, for uh, many, many lifetimes, to free us and um, allow us to serve Krishna, And, uh, you know, we demand higher, a higher purpose for society, organizing around the principle of letting everybody uh, understand what the true purpose of life is. So those are, uh, you know, a few ideas, Shingara Ras, I hope that helps. Alexander and, and Valentina said, the price of such a ticket is one's intense desire for it. Which is not easily awakened, even if one continuously performs pious activities for thousands of lives. So, this is from a verse, it's verbatim from a verse by Rupa Goswami, in which he says, Krishna bhakti rasa bhavitomati, kritanyadi kritopi labhyate, tataloyam kalam janmakoti sukratirna labhyate. So, Rupa Goswami says that the Krishna bhakti rasa bhavitomati, the, the the highest uh, thing that you can get is uh, bhakti-ras. And then he says the price to get it is laulyam or intensity of, of desire or greed to, to have it. And then he says you can't get it from performing pious activities. It's not an ordinary thing. And then he says if it's available somewhere, you should run to get it, don't wait, don't hesitate. You should go to get it as soon as possible. And finally, we have a Thulia Harinam, who says, as an aspiring devotee and in the process of Krishna conscious, what should be our mood of servitorship? Is it Dasya Ras always? Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says in the Navadip Dhamma that when you perform Dasya Ras, the mood of Dasya Ras for Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Then naturally, you'll develop your relationship with Radha and Krishna. And that will come out naturally by performing Dasya Ras, which means serve Lord Chaitanya's movement, follow in the footsteps of the Goswamis, uh, Mahaprabhu's disciples. They did practical seva and they also did internal work, meaning they uh, listened very carefully to the Bhagavatam amongst themselves and they also. Built temples, wrote books, and distributed them, and so forth. So that's the mood of Dasya Ras to Lord Chaitanya. And Prabhupada Saraswati also says, Yata Yata Goda Padaravinde, that if you serve Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet, then naturally uh, love for Radha and Krishna will awaken in your heart. That's the benediction of worshipping Lord Chaitanya. Tirtaspadam Shiva Varinchi Nutam Sharanyam Briyartiham Pranatapala Pababipotam. So, if you worship Lord Chaitanya's lotus feet, you get the culmination of uh, worshiping all the holy places as they're all present there. He's the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but in that special mood. And?
3: Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
0: Yes. Uh,
3: please uh, accept my humble obeisances. I have a question about um, not related topic, but. Uh, was reading uh, i'm reading a bhagavatam and in bhagavatam i don't know which uh, canto but um, i think nimi nimi raja king nimi um the devtas had so much has so much power which i didn't know that he could they could uh, make the nimi raj uh, king alive and uh, even though they are there in the spiritual world to enjoy and i was wondering how I have a question, how come they have so much power, even though they are there to enjoy, and are they spiritually, even though they are spiritually advanced, but they are there to enjoy the world in Swarga? Would you explain, please?
0: I didn't quite uh, hear the first part of your question because it broke up a little bit. I thought you were talking about King Nimi.
3: Yes. So King, like, uh, when mean, Nimi... He was dead and then Devtas um uh, Rushi asked Devtas that can you Devas that can you make him alive? And Devtas had has power, he had that much power that they could have done it, but Nimit didn't want, so my question is Devtas are there um, to enjoy and how how come we think Devtas are there just for enjoyment i didn't know that they god lord gave them that much power that they could make person alive and uh, even though they are there to enjoy so well first, if you can
0: first of all those who have you know human beings we are barely aware of the ways the ways in which material nature works as uh, patanjali explains in the last third of the yoga sutras uh, he describes the technology behind all of the mystic yogic powers. For instance, uh, a yogi uh, can vacate his body and enter into somebody else's body. Uh, these are seem like fantastical uh, performances, but actually they have to do with the way that Prakriti works. And when somebody understands how Prakriti works, what seems fantastical to us is actually... Uh, as a simple problem says walking to the grocery store uh, for others so those in higher planets like the on siddha loka they have all kinds of mystical potencies and including the the power to fly and so forth which we don't see a lot here it's done mechanically and so forth but to, if you think about technology i don't know how this thing works either i mean some of you maybe have a few theories about how it works but it's pretty mystical and you know the material nature is uh it can be manipulated in many different ways so bringing somebody back into their body is is not such a you know an elevated technology that uh somebody a yogi or a demigod or somebody can't do it and the basic principle in the material world, in general, not just in the heavenly planets, is that everyone wants to enjoy. There's uh, hellish planets, there's middle planets, there's upper planets, and generally people come into the material world uh, with a spirit of enjoyment, and that's why they keep looking for something and not getting it. But muktanam apisidhanam narayana parayana. There are different kinds of muktas who have given up the idea of enjoying the material world and they have a different purpose, which is to become liberated and go back to Godhead
3: um, So, my, yes can I ask, uh, so my, just checking my understanding that is that me does that mean that uh, they must have done something they are spiritual something spiritually they are doing there not they are not there to enjoy just Who are you
0: talking about? Like,
3: Devas is the one same devita
0: the one who are there now David, those who come to the the higher planetary systems are very very uh, pious in the mode of goodness so we move up and down in the various uh, stratums of the material world according to our karma so krishna warns arjuna about this in the bhagavad gita when he says um, that no matter how much piety, good karma you develop in this in material world, you're going to use it up and you're going to fall back down again. So he said, don't be concerned with these things moving up and down. Then, of course, when you get into the very higher planetary systems around Brahmaloka, Prabhupada describes it's almost identical to the spiritual world because it's this, the atmosphere is so rarefied. Uh, those who live with Brahma and Brahmaloka. And there are many great sages that live on those upper planetary systems as well. If you're going to be in the material world, that's uh, a place where sages like. But actually, Bhagavatam says that the best place to be is on Earth. Because if you look at the universe, it's like a big building. And the exit door is on Earth. From the Tirtas like Vrindavan, and Mathura. Uh, that's how you get out of the material world. So even these Devas... They don't have it as good as we do as human beings. You should take note of this because we got a short little life and don't complain about it because you can do a lot within this short life. It's actually kind of hellish to hang around in the heavenly planets for eons because the material world's hellish even in the heavenly planets because it's not connected with Krishna directly. And so... Demigods, even if they do become enlightened, they have to live out their lifespan there, come down to earth, then from here perform devotional service through which they can go back home, back to Godhead. So we're already here. Better take advantage of it and uh, take the process of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and go back to Godhead.
3: Thank you so much. Hare Krishna, Guru Hari Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
0: Yes. Hare
2: Krishna. Can no, go ahead. Question. Oh, yes. As we read today, text 56, can you please explain more what is a directly and indirectly inquire? Uh, uh, a person interested in transgender knowledge must therefore always directly and indirectly about Yes. Yes. yes.
0: Well, at the end of this purport, Prabhupada answers that question. He says... Uh, uh, at the end of the purport, here the words directly and indirectly suggest that one must learn the process of devotional service in its two aspects. One must directly execute the process of devotional service and indirectly avoid the impediments to progress. So those two things are mentioned in this purport, but Jiva Goswami says more about it in um, the Bhagavatam commentary. What are the verse numbers for this? Bhagavatam 2, what?
2: 9.
0: Okay, 2, nine, I
2: think 34 onwards. Huh? 34, 34. Like that. Should be 36. 30, yeah, 30, 34, uh-huh. 35, 36, like that, the chaturthi. You will
0: get. <laughs> yes you would get okay 2936 uh this uh yet sarvata sarvada is also explained in the purport yes here we are Uh, this is uh, near the, uh, well, it's in the middle. It's a long purport, so good luck finding it. But it starts off with, Shila Goswami Prabhupada therefore comments on the words, Sarvatra Sarvada, in the sense that the principles of bhakti yoga or devotional service to the Lord are apt in all circumstances. That is, bhakti yoga is recommended in all the revealed scriptures it is performed by all authorities and it is important in all places it is useful in all causes and effects etc as far as the revealed scriptures are concerned he quotes from the skanda purana on topics of brahma and narada as follows sangsare <speaking> smin mahagore <Hebrew> janma mrityu samakule puja nam tarakam in the material world, which is full of darkness and dangers, combined with birth and death, and full of different anxieties, the only way to get out of the great entanglement is to accept loving transcendental devotional service to Lord Vasudev. This is accepted by all classes of philosophers. So that's uh, a, an extended answer to the question of what is Yatsarvata Sarvata, both directly and indirectly. Did that help you?
2: Yes, Prabhupada, thank okay, you. Okay, now you
0: know where to look it up to. It's right there in the commentary. It's a long purport worth reading again and again. Call in to the office and tell them you won't be in for a few months because you're studying the Chatur Shloki Bhagavatam with 21 pundits at home. Uh, Shrisha says, uh, okay, yes, you just asked that. Okay, then Hare Krishna. This is from Deva Vreta. Forgive me for this question being a bit off topic, but yesterday I heard, if I heard properly you mentioned that Raghunath Das Goswami has an entire book about Anartha Nivritti and his subtleties. Yeah, Manasiksha. Urmila uh, Mataji wrote a, um, a translation of that commentary. Manasiksha, it's available. And Sri Kumar is demanding Harinam. He demands Harinam and he's ready to march for it. Is that correct, Sri Kumar Prabhu? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready. This is rev- the real revolution. Um that's well, an amazing idea. Harinam Sankirtan around the world protests against inequality of material existence. Uh, of of maya consciousness creates inequality. We're against that. We want Krishna consciousness, not maya consciousness. And if you superficially solve, so-called solve the problem, it's going to pop right back again because the modes of nature just keep churning. I mean, I grew up in the 60s. We demanded the same thing back then. And all the hippies got into drugs and forgot everything. And here we are back again. It's the material world's always churning in that way. So you have to, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is transcendental. Not only that, he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's he's the revolutionary. And if you follow him and talk about him and distribute books about him and so forth, it's, 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 it's the only thing that's really effective in Kali Yuga. Uh, everybody wants these things, but... Um, it doesn't mean you're going to get them unless you have some knowledge. The yes. sincerity... change her
2: name, but she does not.
0: Pardon me? I'm sorry, Prabhu. Oh, okay. Dina Nath Prabhu says, um, Beginning of the purport, Shula Prabhupada lists eight material elements composing the material body, which is meant to keep us in illusion. However, one particular element from these eight, which is intelligence, is actually capable to pull us out. Could you please kindly comment on this and also how some practical tips on how we can develop a habit of taking shelter of the intelligence. Thank you very much. Well, in the 11th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Lord Krishna says, when you purify your intelligence, then your intelligence can act as one of your Shiksha gurus because it becomes transcendentalized. But uh, when the intelligence, Prabhupada writes in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, becomes infiltrated by Kama or the Rajaguna, then it starts inventing ways to enjoy the material world. Like you look around and, you know, there's all these amazing things that human beings build, but they're just to try to enjoy the senses more. So they're really for naught, ultimately so krishna says at the end of the third chapter of the gita "Evam buddhi param buddhva Durasaram. he says through the process of uh, discrimination and through the practice of, of bhakti yoga you should develop your intelligence so that it will direct you properly purified intelligence and just a couple more uh, Lakshmivan Prabhu says great rishis in topmost planets are thinking of Krishna, is this not enough to promote them to Goloka? Why do they have to return to earth? Is it not their remembrance of Krishna devotional service powerfully purifying? It is, but just like Kumar, he went to all these uh, higher planetary systems and associated with various great sages and so forth. But uh, in order to make it back to Goloka, he didn't go straight from the heavenly planets. He came to uh, Gokula Vrindavan and performed Sankirtan. So that's, the, uh, that's the, uh, the gateway to going back into the spiritual world this is through um, Harinam Sankirtan from, from, Golo, from Gokula Vrindavan or Navadvip, which is non-different from Vrindavan. And speaking of Navadvip, Bhaktivinoda Thakur spent his time in Navadvipa, he built his uh, home there and he envisioned the development of the Sankirtan movement. He saw that people from all over the world could join under the banner of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world and working for that as a revolution spiritual revolutionary he wrote 100 books he also taught many people the process of chanting Hare krishna all the while working maintaining a family 11 kids and by his spiritual power he was able to inculcate the process of devotional service for Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and the vision of spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world into his exalted son, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And then of course, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta had a huge success with the Gaudiya Mat in India and had a desire to see it spread all over the world. Some tried in various places, were not successful, but by Krishna's arrangement, bhakti Bhaktivedanta, Swami Prabhupada became successful in bringing that spirit of Bhakti Minotakur and of his Guru Maharaj to the shores of America. And Prabhupada uh, emphasized how much we should take shelter of the Guru Parampara and their mood and try to fulfill their desires. Acharya Pasanam means to worship the Acharyas and if we worship the acharyas by following their mood and their mood is spread the movement of lord chaitanya mahaprabhu very specifically Srila bhakti to emphasize book distribution he told it to his disciple Naravinda, at radhakund later to become his divine grace A.C. buktivananta sami prabhupad that he was a little discouraged with building all kinds of temples here there and everywhere even the flagship temple the Bug Bazaar, Mar, uh, Bug Bazaar in Calcutta, he, f- he found that his uh, devotees, they took a different mood and they were fighting over it. Like who gets what, which room, who's on a higher caste. <laughs> and the preaching mood became tinted a little bit, tainted rather, with the enjoying spirit. And he was disgusted with it. And he said to his disciple, if you ever get money, print books. So Prabhupada said, I took this up from his mouth, that he liked books very much, and he did. He had the printing press on the altar, same level with the deities, and he, he as a, a thing of worship for the rag Mark for spreading Christian consciousness to people all over the world. And this was all coming from the vision and desire of Bhakti Thakur as it's passed down through the succession. So every, every year at of Silicon Valley, for, since 19... 19- Here's the first poster. I have it on my wall. That was our first monthly Sankirtan festival to celebrate Bhaktivinoda Thakur Divine Disappearance Day. Can you see it? Haribo. You see it? Yes. Haribo. In 2007. Yes. Who said that? Is that Hun
3: Yes, Prabhu Hare Krishna.
0: So in 2007, we took the shelter of of, uh, Bhakti Muttakwar's Divine Disappearance Day, and we set a big goal, distribute a lot of books, and um, it was a really big goal for us at the time, which was probably like 100 books or something like that. And somebody complained and said, uh, they wrote me a letter. I wish I could still, I still had an email and said, I think, I think you're pushing us a little too hard. This is a, this goal. I mean, it's nice to, you know, go for it and everything like that, but we should be reasonable. You know, you're pushing too hard. And I got fired up. I wrote an article. I published it on Dundavats, the power of thinking big or something like that. And, um, And somehow or other, we all came together, and we we not just reached the goal, but we smashed it. We surprised ourselves, and we realized that there was something special from Bhakti Minotakura that we were getting by trying to please him. And um, every single year since 2007, if I'm not not incorrect, it's 2020 now. Is that correct? This lockdown has me a little disoriented. Um, That's been uh, 13 or 14 years we've been... Been doing this and depending on Bhakti Minotakorn, every single time, every year, we've increased the point of going from just sending a few hundred dollars to the BBT to last year, sending over $600,000 to BBT receipts for uh, sets of books being sold, Bhagavad Gita's in the tens of thousands being sold from our tiny, tiny little community here nestled in Silicon Valley hidden away, tucked away on Latham Avenue, and we have a revolution going on uh, because of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Srila Bhaktisiddhanta and Srila Prabhupada's request. The power is in their words.